Hey there, and welcome to the Jimmy's Table podcast at jimmystable.com. I'm your host, Jimmy Humphrey. I'm curiously evangelical, politically homeless, and a dreamer of small things. On this podcast, I'm having conversations about the intersection of faith, life, and culture. So if you have honest questions, aren't afraid to have difficult conversations, and want to have a little fun along the way, then pull up a chair. This podcast is for you. So today's episode 111, I'm going to talk about marriage and how marriage is not forever and it's till death do we part, right? But before we get into that, I want to play this awesome clip from my one of my favorite TV shows of all time, Everybody Loves Raymond, in which Ray talks about the nature of marriage. And we're going to do a little bit of that today. So without further ado, let me go ahead and play this minute and a half long clip from Everybody Loves Raymond, in which Raymond explains marriage. What I forgot to say when I was telling all those stupid, stupid jokes was, was all the good things about marriage. <laughs> you know, there's just so much good about this. It's like, it's almost hard to start. Raymond, look. No, no, I'm going to get this. Okay. Here's something. You know how when you're, you're sleeping and you, you kind of stop breathing? When you're married, there's always someone there to nudge you alive. <laughs> All right, I don't know what I'm talking about. Look, look, this is marriage. You wake up in the morning... And she's there. You, you, you come home at night and she's there. You eat, she's there. You, you go to sleep, there. And I know that sounds like a bad thing. But it's not. It's not. Not if it's the, if it's the right person. Then it's good. It's, it's good. It's really, really good. And marriage is good, right? It can be really, really good. And, you know, I think most of us, especially of those of us who are married, we, we, we love our wife, we love our husband. I love my wife, and she loves me. And we kind of wish that marriage would just go on forever, right? Like, and we even talk about it, about how marriage is going to be forever and ever and ever, and who hasn't consoled themselves with their grandparents or with their parents or, you know, somebody else with with losing a spouse and just being like, oh, grandma, grandpa, you'll be reunited one day. Um, or we lose one of our parents and, and we like, oh, they're they're going on to be with uh, dad or they're going on to be with mom. And and uh, they'll just, you know, continue their marriage that they had here on earth and they'll have that forever in heaven and and we kind of have this romantic notion of marriage being this thing that lasts forever but would you be kind of shocked if i were to tell you today that the bible thinks of no such thing in regard to marriage and that really in the bible that marriage is truly till death do we part and that jesus explicitly uh, condemned the idea of marriages lasting 
forever. Um, if you were to go ahead and read in the Gospels, in Matthew chapter 22, uh, verses 23 through uh, 32, we see this interaction that Jesus had with some of the religious leaders and teachers of his days. There's this group named the Sadducees um, who taught that there was no resurrection of the dead. And they decided they wanted to test Jesus' logic out about resurrection. And they're, they're kind of trying to poke fun at resurrection theology because Jesus believes in resurrection. I am the way, the truth, the life. I am the resurrection. Jesus would say things like that. So the Sadducees wanted to put Jesus to test about this long religious dispute that they had been having amongst themselves and with the Pharisees and with Jesus about the resurrection. And they're like, hey, Jesus, you know, Moses said... If a man dies and he doesn't have any children, then his brother is responsible to marry his wife and raise up children for his brother. Now imagine, Jesus, that were seven brothers among us, and the first married and died and having no children left his wife to his brother. And so the second and the third and the fourth, all the way down to the seventh. Last of all, Jesus, the woman died. So, Jesus... And the resurrection, therefore, whose wife of the seven will she be? For Jesus, they had all married her. And Jesus answered them and said, You are mistaken, not understanding the scriptures nor the power of God. For the resurrection, neither they marry nor given a marriage, but are like the angels of heaven. But regarding the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what was spoken to you by God? I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Therefore, he is not the God of the dead, but of the living. And so we have this teaching of Jesus where he kind of tries to throw it back on the Sadducees to say, look, it's a matter of fact, the resurrection is a thing that's going to happen. We're all going to die one day and God's going to bring us back to life. God is not the God of the dead. God is the God of the living because he is the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And that's not just a past tense thing. That's, that's something that he promises yet for the future. That is a, a reality that is to be experienced throughout all of eternity by means of the resurrection. And so Je Jesus, you know, matter of factly stating the resurrection, he, you know, he comes into this little, this problem that they kind of propose, this riddle that they proposed that was supposed to be, you know, proof. Well, Jesus, if there's going to be a resurrection, then we're going to have some real uh, matrimony problems on the other side of the resurrection. Uh, because all this woman married seven men, and in the midst of marrying the seven men, all seven men died, and then she died, and, you know, so in the resurrection, how's this all going to get sorted out, Jesus? To whom will she be betrothed? <laughs> and so Jesus chided at them. They didn't understand the scriptures, nor the power of God in regard to the resurrection. So how does this make you feel? How does the idea that we're all going to be like the angels of heaven in the resurrection and that there will no longer be this thing called marriage? Is that a thing that bums you out? Is that a thing that pops the romantic bubble in your head of what you imagined uh, life with your spouse to be? Or is, or is it a sigh of relief? <laughs> Are you like, Phew, really dodged a bullet there. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Um, but, you know, this, this hard saying of Jesus, you know, for me personally, it's one that hasn't really ever stuck very well with me because I've always, I'm going to admit, kind of had this romanticized idea 
about marriage and what marriage is and what marriage isn't. And being somebody who very much wanted to get married and didn't get married into their 30s um, and, you know, has held marriage in great esteem uh, pretty much my entire life. And it's definitely was a goal to get married. And then I did get married. And, and now I've been married for going on eight years now to, to my wife. And it's it's been a wonderful marriage. Um, you know, she's really been an amazing individual to be married to. I'm, I'm, I'm blessed. I love her. She loves me. And things are, are really good between us. So the idea, though, that not only is death going to bring some sort of hiccup to our relationship one day, because one and one of us will die first, most likely, um, and that will leave the other to be alone. And, you know, but it's always been a consolation I think many have had in their heart. Well, we might have this temporary hiccup called death, but, you know, in the ages to come into heaven, into the resurrection, we're going to be reunited and we're going to be married again one day. But Jesus is like, eh, wrong answer. Nope, that's not how things are going to play out. And like I've said, that really bothers me. There's there's not too many sayings of Jesus, if I can just be honest. There's not too many. There's, there's some hard sayings of Jesus that are difficult to swallow. But, you know, of the sayings of Jesus that like that I would sit there and say if I were walking the earth and listening to Jesus back then when he was having this debate with the Sadducees, if I would have heard Jesus say this as one of his disciples, I would have I'd have probably been on the objecting side of Jesus, if I can just be honest. And it's something that just like irks me. And I say that as somebody who, you know, believes Jesus Christ is Lord, that he died for my sins, that he's resurrected and that he's coming back again one day. And, you know, I take very seriously uh, the teachings of Jesus and following Jesus in my life. And, and, you know, I submit my life to him as Lord. But there's just this thing in me, this, this like, uh, this, this thing in my gut that of all the teachings of Jesus, this is honestly probably my least favorite one. Um, and I don't know how you feel about that. Maybe, maybe you like this idea that marriage isn't going to be forever. Maybe you like this idea that you won't be married to your spouse in the ages to come. Um, but honestly, I don't like it. And I think if, if you're probably like most people, I think most people would admit that this teaching of scripture, if, if they've never articulated such, that they would say, you know, that just bothers me. And, you know, if you wrestle with this idea and it bothers you, I think that's okay. And there's nothing wrong at all with wrestling with this idea of God saying something that you don't like. Uh, God's okay with our wrestling. He's a big God, and he can take it. <laughs> God's not afraid for us to come to, with, to him with open hearts and open minds to have honest inquiry, honest discussion. Um, our faith at the end of the day isn't a blind faith. And we, while we accept things because, you know, it's God's word and that's what God says, um, that doesn't mean that we aren't going to have some difficult emotions that we have to work through, um, in regard to our faith and some difficult concepts that just don't stick well with you. Uh, I, I would, I would even so far as to say if like, if everything that the scriptures say you're just hunky dory with, then, you know, and it doesn't occasionally bother you. Well, I, don't, I honestly don't believe you're reading the scriptures uh, as closely as, as you should. And you're really probably not wrestling with them. You're taking them at a very superficial level. And you're probably, frankly, not just being real with yourself or God. 
Um, and, I, and I think you're going to have times in your faith and times in your life where you're going to question God. You're going to wrestle with a passage of scripture that you just don't like, that just irks you. Um, and for me, that's this passage is that because, you know, I, I like I said, I hold marriage in high esteem. It's been something that has been a great treasure to me. Um, and I think marriage is one of the most beautiful things in the world. When you love, honor, and cherish your spouse and are devoted to serving them in a lifetime of companionship, I think that's just that's just amazing. That's just one of the most beautiful things that can exist in the world. And, and frankly, there's nothing like it. I love being married to my wife. Um, I love doing the things that tickle her heart, that honor her, that make her feel good about herself. Uh, and her, likewise, me. That's not to say that we never have any problems and that we never have any arguments or discussions. Uh, that's not to say our voices don't escalate a uh, decibel or two every now and then. Uh, they certainly do. Uh, marriage, even beautiful and wonderful and simple marriages, um, require a, a little bit of work every now and then, right? But even with that work, the work is what part of it, what makes marriage so beautiful, that two people who are unrelated to one another, could say, yes, I'm going to pick that one right there to live the rest of my life with, so that when they go to bed, like Raymond was saying, and everybody loves Raymond, when you go to bed, they're there. When you turn around, they're there. Like, everywhere you go, they're there. And that's marriage. Um, and with, with the right person, it, it almost sounds bad. And then especially in that deadpan humor that Ray Romano delivers his humor in. But it almost sounds bad, but really... It's one of the best and beautiful things that can ever exist in this world and that it can exist simply because two people made a lifelong commitment to one another, to love one another, uh, to cherish one another, to honor one another, to respect one another, to serve one another, um, and just to walk alongside one another until death. <laughs> and marriage is so beautiful. In the Bible, it likens our marriage relationship um, the, 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 the relationship you and I have with our spouse, uh, the Bible teaches that relationship is ultimately a picture of the intimate relationship that's between, uh, that's possible between you and us and God. Um, that we can have this intimate relationship with God that looks something like a marriage. In fact, uh, the Bible calls Christians, people who follow Jesus, um, and people who have devoted themselves to the Lord, the Bible calls us, as Christ followers, the bride of Christ. Um, so if the relationship between a man and a woman in marriage can teach us how we can be one with God and to live a life of selfless, wholehearted devotion when marriage is done rightly, um, then no wonder marriage is such a beautiful thing. God has given us this object lesson in all of creation, and it's something that all people and all cultures ultimately understand at some fundamental level that that's practiced universally that that even though marriage can you know take on different expressions in different cultures of course you know it's it's this thing that as humans we've all just gravitated towards and i think that's by design it's it's kind of like you know if god were a potter and he was fashioning the world as a clay pot like marriage would be the thumbprint that gets left behind on the clay pot that god is forming um, it's, it's, it's the thumbprint of God in creation. It leaves, uh, leaves all of creation uh, just this witness to the beautiful 
nature of the relationship that you and I can have with God. And that's what marriage serves. Um, and that's, that's why it's important that marriage be held as a sacred thing, as a sacred bond, um, and that it be done and entered into rightly and seriously and soberly um, of people's own free will and volition. Um, because when, it's, when marriage is done right, it's one of the most beautiful things that you and I can ever have the opportunity to see. But conversely, when marriage is done wrong, and I think you and I know what this is like, no matter, we, we all know people, when marriage is done wrong, such as when there's abusive relationships or when infidelity exists or one of the spouses domineers the other spouse and, and treats them with contempt and, and just, you know, argues with them all the time and takes them for granted, um, you know, that beautiful thing that marriage is becomes ugly. And it becomes ugly not only because we see the shattering of this, this beautiful relationship and this awesome and glorious thing, but it's ugly and terrible, especially when it ends in divorce, because ultimately when marriage is destroyed, when marriage is, is um, messed up, when marriage has all these corrosive aspects enter into it, that ends up distorting the knowledge of God that exists in creation in the same way that the beauty of marriage highlights our knowledge of God and shows us what the intimate relationship that exists between uh, us and Christ is possible in creation. Um, it's the gospel being preached uh, everywhere you go <laughs> uh, at the end of the day. When, when marriages fail, when they enter into abusive, destructive, uh, terrible um, patterns of behavior and all that stuff, all the ugly things that we know marriage can be when marriage is done wrongly. Um, it's, it's ugly for a reason and not just because it's, you know, two people having a hard time getting along, but it ultimately just, it's, it's ugly because it distorts our knowledge of God and, and all the beauty that we saw before all of a sudden creation, all of creation mourns over because the beauty of that relationship has now been marred. That's why we must do all we can as Christians to safeguard our marriages and to protect them and to ensure that everything that we do in our marriage is to ensure that our marriage is just simply overflowing with love. Because it is through the love that is expressed in marriage that we show the rest of the world the love that is in Jesus Christ and the relationship that he desires with each and every single one of us. And beyond this, additionally, Scripture teach that, teaches that marriage was ultimately given to mankind so that we might be fruitful and multiply. Ha! And every teenage high school student in church said, glory. <laughs> you know, I was definitely all about in my uh, premarital days finding somebody that I could be fruitful and multiplying with. I liked multiplication in that instance. That sounded great. <laughs> Um, but, you know, ultimately man was created alone, if you read the account in Genesis. When God created the world, he created Adam and he placed him in a garden. And God saw Adam placed in the garden and he said, you know, I made man alone, but it's not good for man to be alone. So God ultimately ended up creating marriage so that man wouldn't be alone, um, so that man could be fruitful and multiply and to ultimately 
fill and subdue the earth and care for the world um, and help cultivate the world and turn the rest of the world into a garden. And that's what God intended when he brought Eve into Adam's life, when he took her out of his rib um, and created a woman um, for Adam um, and brought them together so that they might be one flesh. God did all of that so that we could ultimately, at the beginning of the world and as we continue on to this day, to be fruitful, to multiply, to subdue the earth, to fill the earth with bounty, uh, to harvest the world, to ultimately care for the world and tend for the world and cultivate the world so that all the world might one day be a garden. But, you know, with the world having currently seven you know, billion people alive, <laughs> you know, I think we can definitely say we are well on our way to fulfilling that biblical mandate to be fruitful, to be multiply, and to care for the world. So you might ask yourself, what does all this have to do with eternal life? And why won't our marriages ultimately persist forever? Well, in the resurrection at the end of the day, after we have all died and after we have all been made alive in Christ, new bodies and a new heaven and a new earth, in eternity we will no longer need marriage because the knowledge of God will not be a thing that any of us lack or have to be taught. So God will no longer have to use marriage as an object lesson to teach the world what it is to know Christ and, and to be married to the Lord and, and, and to be in intimate relationship with him. He will no longer need that object lesson in creation because our knowledge of God will be absolutely full. Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 about how now we know in part, but then we shall know fully even as we are fully known. So we will no longer need this visual aid that marriage ultimately represents to teach us what intimacy with God is like because we will have full, unveiled access to the knowledge of God and no longer will need to be taught this is what it's like to have a possible relationship with God because all of humanity from one side of the earth to the other will ultimately know the full intimacy that is possible with Christ. And additionally, we ultimately know from the book of Revelation that an innumerable number of people from every tribe, nation, and tongue will exist in the coming resurrection. In the world to come, there will be no shortage of people to provide companionship to one another or to cultivate the world so that it might be fruitful throughout all of eternity. As a result, humanity will no longer have need to create new people. <laughs> For there will be a sea of people everywhere, an innumerable number of people. And so we will have ultimately fulfilled the mandate that marriage ultimately served as part of caring for creation because there will be more than enough people to care for creation throughout all of eternity. Well, so that's that. That's why, that's why there won't be any marriage in heaven. Why there won't be any marriage in the resurrection. Uh, that's why Jesus was able to say to the Sadducees, See, you don't understand the scriptures, nor do you know or understand the power of God. 
uh, because in truth, they didn't. He wasn't just like, you know, at first for a little while when I heard Jesus say this stuff, I was like, you know, Jesus, this seems just kind of lazy on your part. (laughs) This doesn't make any sense. I don't like it, you know. But I think when you ultimately look at marriage and understand marriage is is serving these twin purposes to teach the knowledge of God to all of creation and to be fruitful and to multiply so that we might ultimately fill all the earth and cultivate the world and and make it a fruitful place. Um, At the end of the day, that's all nice theory, right? (laughs) That's all nice theory to know that's how God thinks about marriage and that's how it's all going to come out in the wash one day. But you got to wonder, what kind of practical application might we might have about this doctrine and this idea in the present? So let me first start by asking you a question that you can ask yourself. How does it make you feel to know you won't be married to your spouse for all eternity? Let me ask that again. How does it make you feel to know you won't be married to your spouse for all eternity? Does that make you sort of upset? Or like I asked earlier, do you kind of breathe a sigh of relief? How you answer that question might tell you, though, where you are in your marriage, right? (laughs) Ooh, stepping on some toes here, right? (laughs) How you answer the question about Does the idea of not spending eternity with your spouse kind of make you upset or uh, breathe a sigh of relief? It kind of tells you maybe where you are right now with your spouse. Do you feel relieved to know you won't be married forever and ever? Like, really dodged a bullet for that one. When my parents said he'd never amount to a hill of beans, they they weren't wrong. (laughs) Or, well, you know, Does the idea upset you? Do you love your spouse with all your heart and you can't imagine a world where you aren't together? Or maybe do you kind of feel a little mixture of the both in in this question, in this answer? Maybe you have a decent marriage, but you know there are opportunities for real and meaningful work and growth. Better opportunities for you and your spouse to communicate with one another, to work on your romantic sex life, with one another, to maybe take each other a little less for granted, to help her out a little bit more, to, to be a true partner in your relationship with your spouse. But maybe you're not even married, right? Like I was, I was late to the game in getting married. I was in my 30s when I got married, and and uh, most of my a lot of my friends were married by the time I did. I was, I was. Uh, you know, not the last one to the altar, but, uh, you know, definitely wasn't the first. So for those of you who are single, though, what kind of takeaway can you get from this? Because you've listened to this podcast and thought about marriage, and you're like, oh, man, that's, you know, it doesn't even matter to me because I'm just still trying to get married. <laughs> it's like uh, one of my friends uh, who knew me when I was uh, single, uh, and he was married, and all my friends were married, and he's like, you know, Jim, he's like, here you are always talking about how you want to get married one day. And he's like, most of us, we're trying to figure out how to get out. And you're trying to figure out how to get in. <laughs> um, but, you know, what kind, of, what kind of takeaway might you have for this if you're single? I think it's a good takeaway. 
I think it reinforces the idea that while God celebrates marriage and that marriage is a beautiful, wonderful thing and that it serves a purpose in this world, you have to understand marriage is ultimately a temporary arrangement in, in this side of eternity. God never designed marriage to be a thing that lasted forever. And it was certainly was never designed to survive death. Singleness, and I've talked about this uh, in a prior podcast. I'll link to it in the show notes about how God celebrates singleness. Singleness remains God's ultimate ideal for creation. If you notice in the Bible, God originally just created Adam. Adam was just a single person. And that was how God originally made creation. And God ultimately intends in the new creation to set up the same. Singleness was God's ideal in the beginning of the creation. The Apostle Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians how marriage is still, or that I'm sorry, not marriage, but how singleness is still God's ideal, not marriage. And as much as the church you know, emphasizes marriage these days, celebrates marriage and offers marriage counseling and therapy courses and all that fun stuff, which, which were all great. Don't get me wrong. Not knocking it. I'm happily married. I love the idea of marriage. <laughs> and I think we need to do as much as we can to, to build better marriages. But as much as we love and celebrate marriage in the church, I think this is something we've really fallen down with, especially as American Christians. As great as marriage is, singleness is what God prefers for humanity. Was that way at the beginning? It's that way now, according to the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians. And as we shall see in eternity, when there will be none given in marriage, and we'll all be like the angels of heaven, singleness still remains God's ultimate ideal. Marriage has been nothing more than a temporary thing. And don't get me wrong, as we read in Genesis, it wasn't good for man to be alone. God wanted um, man to be fruitful and multiply for the purpose that he created the world, to fill the world and to cause it to be fruitful. And God knew that man couldn't do that alone. Um, and just as he ultimately created uh, animals in their pairs so that they could be fruitful and multiply... God ultimately did create Eve so that that man could fulfill God's ultimate purpose for this world. But Adam was originally alone. And even though God blessed marriage and said it's good, you know, Adam started off by himself. <laughs> so while it's common for lifelong singles to ultimately feel they are missing out on something by not getting married and there's definitely a part of me that felt for a number of years like I was missing out on something, especially as I saw many of my friends and uh, folks get married over the years. The truth is, marriage is simply a temporary phenomenon in the grand scheme of things. And if you live your entire life and never get married, you should never ever feel in the eyes of God that you are somehow missing out. For in all eternity, we will all be single, ultimately living in intimate union with none other than Jesus Christ, who will prove to be our ultimate companion. Now, don't get me wrong. 
I thought of the loophole. God, you know, in the resurrection, I may no longer be married. I may be like the angels of heaven and I may no longer be able to enjoy sexual relations with my wife. <laughs> but in the ages to come, I still plan on seeking my wife out. Probably going to help, help her a little less around the house. <laughs> Are you listening, honey? Uh, <laughs> I, I'm going to stack the Tupperware any dang way I feel like, honey. That's right. <laughs> if I want two knives in the Danish uh, box, bless God, they're going to be two knives in the Danish box, honey, and there's nothing you can do about it. Anyway, uh, and I will have all the Miracle Whip in my refrigerator that my refrigerator and eternal life can hold. Uh, so you can have your dukes if you want, but bless God, there's going to be a miracle whip in my fridge. <laughs> uh, hopefully my wife is going to listen to this podcast. Otherwise you just listen to some inside joke that me and my wife, you know, constantly go back and forth about. But anyway, I digress. But, you know, so anyway, I hope to, even though Jesus isn't going to let me be married to my wife, I think I'm still going to spend a lot of time with her. And and that brings me great comfort because I love my wife. Um, and I look forward to seeing as much as I can of her in the ages to come. But it won't be as a uh, married individual. It'll simply be as brothers and sisters in Christ. As part of the larger family of God. And we will enjoy fellowship and company with one another just as the best of friends. And that may not sound like what marriage, you know, that, that still may leave a little sting in your heart. I know, don't get me wrong, it still does me. Uh, I'm trying to put a pretty face on this, right? <laughs> I'm doing my best because uh, I'm preaching from a, a sore spot in my heart about it. But, um, you know, I think that can still be a beautiful thing, right? We will know that marriage will have served the purpose for which God ordained marriage in this world. And knowing that God's purposes have ultimately been fulfilled in all of creation. I think that will cause our hearts to rejoice in whatever sense of sadness we may have when we step into eternity. As the scriptures say, sighing and sorrow will flee and he'll wipe away every tear from every eye. Everybody, this has been Jimmy Humphrey, Jimmy'sTable.com, episode 111, where I've talked about your marriage won't last forever till death do we part. If you enjoyed this podcast, email me, Jimmy at Jimmy'sTable.com, or share this podcast with a friend. Hook them up with the Jimmy'sTable.com uh, link, link to episode 111, or share the episode with, with them through... Uh, Google, through Apple, through Spotify, SoundCloud, or however you may listen to this podcast. And if you want to subscribe and you wish to follow, you can do so simply by going to jimmytable.com slash subscribe. And you'll have find all the favorite different ways you can subscribe, either through the old-fashioned way, like email, or you can get a new weekly newsletter update, or you could even just, you know, subscribe through your favorite podcast catcher, whether it's Apple Google, Spotify, uh, or whatever. So go ahead and do that. And oh yeah, while you're at it, if you've enjoyed this podcast episode and other episodes, if you haven't left a review yet, 
leave me a five-star review so that maybe somebody else can help find the show and say, hey, this podcast is for me because we ultimately want to expand the jimmystable.com listening audience, <laughs> right? Don't you? Well, maybe that's just me. But anyway, so everybody, this has been Jimmy Humphrey, jimmystable.com, where I'm having conversations about the intersection of faith, life, and culture. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you have, like I said, share it, let me know, subscribe, but whatever you do, make sure you come back. Take care, everybody. God bless, and have a good one. That's all I have to say about that. That's the right on, man. You said it all.